Uh, good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Thanks so much for being here. I am glad to be back with you all today. Thank you so much for all the love and the support uh, for Jacqueline and I over the last week. We definitely appreciate all of you. Special welcome to those of you who may be joining us for the very first time today. My name is Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here at New City Matthews. And today, we have come to the end of our Ephesians sermon series. Now, let me just say this. I absolutely love studying God's word with you all. It's absolutely uh, the joy of my heart. For those of you who may not know, each ministry year, we have two anchor series, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. This year, for instance, the Old Testament anchor series was in Daniel, if you remember that. And, and, and this, this year, the New Testament series is in Ephesians. So thank you to all of you that have been rocking with us through all of that. And to that point, um, I want to I want to stop and share Paul's words uh, to the church at Thessalonica in chapter two, verse thirteen, when he said this. He said, "We thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works." in you who believe. And we share that because that's our heart. That's our heart this morning, and it's part of the reason why I'm so grateful for all of you. So we'll conclude our Ephesians series today. Uh, next weekend, we're excited. We're going to start a seven-week prayer series. Who can, who can stand to learn a little bit more about prayer? I know I can. So excited about that. That'll start next weekend. And then in August, we're going to go through a great commission Series. We're excited about that. In the fall, we're going to go through a series through the book of Judges. And in the spring, a series on the book of James. So I hope you'll make plans to join us for any of all of those because I'm certainly excited about all that God's going to do in our lives through those series. And so again, today we'll look at the Apostle Paul's words as he says goodbye to the church in Ephesus, chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. And with that, we'll say goodbye to our Ephesians sermon series. But before we dive in, let's take a moment and pray together. God in heaven, we just thank you so much for the space of grace, for what we get to do in this moment. We get to sit at your feet. We get to hear from you. We get to be encouraged. We get to be challenged. We get to be changed. Thank you. Our prayer is that nobody in this room will leave this room the same way we came in. Magnify yourself in our hearts. Glorify yourself, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You ever paid attention to the way people say goodbye when you're talking to them on the phone? You ever paid attention to that? And it's interesting uh, to me how we say goodbye can vary, right, depending on how we were raised or where we grew up or even who we're talking to. But either way, for me, it's just something I find interesting. Something I find interesting, how we say goodbye. Now, for me, typically if I'm talking to, to, to friends or family, now not, not, not Jacqueline, but friends and family, my go-to is peace. All right, man, all right, all right, peace. It's my go-to for whatever reason, right? That's, that's my go-to. Uh, but here's some, some interesting ones uh, that you may have heard that I've come across. Uh, what about this one? Later. People say, all right, man, all right, later. That's what I've heard. Uh, my brother says this. Now, this is kind of a Northeast New York thing, but he says one. So I say, all right, peace, all right, one. Right, now if you look in the Urban Dictionary, one is short for one love. 
right? My niece gets a kick out of it. She is my brother now on the phone. I'll say peace, he'll say one, and she just giggles to no end. I have a friend from L.A. that says, in a minute. So I say, all right, peace. All right, man, in a minute. Right? Interesting things that we hear. Um, what about the person that says, mm, before, before they say bye-bye? You ever heard that? Mm, mm, bye-bye. You ever heard that? You probably do it. You probably do it. What about the person that says now after bye-bye? Bye-bye now. Bye-bye <laughs> now. You heard that one? I get a kick. I, get, I just get a kick out of these things. My grandmother, who was here a couple of months ago, most of the time she doesn't even say bye. This is what she does. I say, all right, Grandma, it's good talking to you. I hope to see you soon. All right, love you. She said, okay, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. She doesn't say bye. Just mm-hmm. That's it. Or if she does say bye, she'll say, talk at you later. That's what she'll say. That's what she'll say. So I just, I just find it interesting how we choose to say goodbye. But what about when you're writing a letter to somebody that you care about? Do you, do you close it off with love you, miss you, hope to see you soon? For me, I just write love, R. That's it, love, R. Now, I bring this up today because what's interesting to me about how the Apostle Paul chooses to close the letter to people he loves and cares about is interesting because he doesn't say goodbye in the same way most of us would. He doesn't say goodbye in the same way most of us would. Instead, he does two things. He says, I'm sending someone to you that's going to bring you up to speed on how I'm doing, and he's going to encourage you, and then he blesses them. When's the last time you blessed somebody before getting on the phone or writing a letter? I haven't done it, but this is what the Apostle Paul does. He blesses them as he says goodbye. So let's look at it uh, together. If you're able, won't you stand for the reading of God's word? We'll look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. It should also be preloaded for you on the New City app along with the sermon notes as well. Ephesians 6, 21, the word of God to you today. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. Verse 24. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Thus ends the reading of the word of God. You may be seated. So the first thing we learn as we look at what Paul shares here is that ministry is a team sport. Ministry is a team sport. We know that because he starts by mentioning a faithful ministry partner of his, Tychicus. He starts by mentioning him. And he says this in verse 21b, he is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. Now, Tychicus is mentioned four other times by Paul throughout the New Testament. Four other times by Paul. Now, you need to know that Paul was not in the habit of giving out compliments or flattery. So it was of the highest compliment for Paul to say of this brother that he is a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. And when you think about it, this is the type of praise that we all should aspire to as followers of Christ, right? That we are beloved and that we are faithful. 
And I don't know about you, but my hope is that Jesus would welcome us all with those words as we transition from this place, that we're faithful and that we are beloved. In fact, I believe that the measure of our lives, our significance as Christ followers is not in our bank accounts, it's not in our businesses or in our accolades. It is that we are beloved of God and faithful to his purposes for your life, faithful to what God has called you to. Now, if you've noticed this as we've looked at the book of Ephesians and other of Paul's writings, if you've noticed, Paul always served with a team, didn't he? He always served with a team, whether he traveled, planted churches, preached, or even when he was in prison, Paul always had a team around him, whether it was Tychicus, Titus, Timothy, Silas, Priscilla, and Aquila. Paul always had a team around him. And so Tychicus was an Ephesian. He was an Ephesian, and he was a part of Paul's powerful ministry in Ephesus. And now he is going to deliver to the Colossians and the Ephesians, two churches that are separated by about 100 miles. Here's a map. Here's something else you need to know. More than likely, Tychicus walked between these two places. But he goes and he's delivering these letters to these two places. Now, Tychicus would also replace Timothy as the pastor at Ephesus, and he would also go on to replace Titus on the island of Crete so that he could come to Rome. Now, here's something else that's interesting. A first century courier wouldn't just deliver a letter to a group of people or to a church. They would also stand and take questions about the writer. They would stand and take questions. And so Paul knew that the Ephesians were concerned about him, and they were probably worried about him. And so he wants to ease their concern. Even while in prison, he's caring for other people. So he says three times in verses 21 and 22, I want you to know how I'm doing. This is why I'm sending him, because I need you to know how I'm doing. Essentially, Paul is saying here, I don't want you to worry about me. I'm good. I'm good. Now, I need, I need to remind you that this is the same Paul that wrote, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. It's the same Paul that wrote those words. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. That's what I want. Regardless of how long God chooses to lead me here on this planet, I want to finish my race. And that's my prayer for you that you would finish your race. Because the truth is, family, that the curtain is going to close in all of our stories one day. It's a fact. The curtain will close, but the curtain will never close on the gospel. The curtain will never close on the gospel of Christ. And this is why it is imperative for you and I to live out the gospel every moment with every breath that God gives us. Because in doing that, we get to leave a legacy for the kingdom of God. And this is what Paul is essentially saying. This is what he's saying here. He's saying it's tough, I'm in prison, but I'm good because the gospel is going forth. And so he sends Tychicus to update them and to encourage the people. But then in verses 23 and 24, he tells them, teaches them, and he's teaching us how to say goodbye. He's teaching us how to say goodbye. And I, I love this because for his goodbye, Paul chooses to bless them rather than be sad. Again, these were people that Paul loved and cared about. He loved and he cared about him, them. So instead of being sad, he chooses to bless them. In other words, he does not dwell on the loss of not being with them. He doesn't even dwell on the fact that he's in prison. He doesn't even dwell on that. 
Instead, he focuses on what can never be taken away. I love that. He focuses on what can never be taken away. He writes about three things that we'll never need to say goodbye to. Three things that if we live out our lives for Jesus Christ, three things we'll never have to say goodbye to. And these three things, by the way, if you've been keeping up, are major themes of the letter that he writes here to the church in Ephesus. The first thing I want to show you, uh, the first way that Paul blesses them is he uses the word peace. He uses the word peace. He says in verse 23a, peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. Oh, how the children of God could use more peace in our lives. Amen, somebody. We can use more peace. But I want to remind you here of what he said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. He said, don't forget that you Gentiles, you used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. We talked about that. That was not a term of endearment. He said, by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without, without hope. Everybody in this room did at one point. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And here it is. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now, we talked about this before, family. Oftentimes, the peace we need today is in remembering what God did yesterday. This is why he tells them, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget how life used to be. And maybe the message for somebody in this room today to help cultivate and usher peace in your heart that you need is to remember that God is faithful and God has delivered you before. God has showed up in your life before. Maybe that's what somebody needs today to usher in peace into your heart. Let me say something else about peace, and this is, this is related to my own life and how God deals with me with peace. One of the things I'm realizing is that Christ, has brought, Christ himself has brought peace to us. But when there are times in my life when I don't have peace, maybe it's because I'm being complicit in my own lack of peace. Maybe the peace that Christ brought for all of us particularly in my life, maybe the reason why there are seasons and times and places and spaces where I don't have peace is because I'm complicit in my own lack of peace. In other words, maybe there's a decision you need to make that'll bring peace in your life, but you haven't made the decision yet. Maybe you, it's a tough decision. Maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with somebody. Maybe it's a decision you've been, you've been skirting around trying to, trying to decide it, but if you made the decision, maybe that'll bring the peace in your heart, in your, in your life that you need. Because the, the opposite of peace is conflict. And many of us, as children of God, we walk, we live, we move about with constant conflict in our hearts and in our minds. And one of the things I heard God say to me clearly as I studied this is part of the reason why peace is not consistent is because we're complicit in the chaos and the conflict in our own hearts. And for some of us, maybe, maybe peace will come in when you clean up. Maybe when you clean up your house, 
peace will come because sometimes disorder is chaotic. And sometimes if you just clean up your space, you'll feel better about yourself. For others of us, it's, 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 it's a decision. It's a tough decision that we need to make. There's a structure that we need to put in place to have the peace that Christ himself has bought for us. So part of my hope for everybody in this room is that when you leave today, you would embrace the peace of God that he's already brought to us. He's already brought it. And I pray that as you hear my voice right now, God is telling you what it is that you need to do to experience this peace in your own life and in your own heart and in your mind. So the first thing Paul says by way of goodbye, that's a blessing, he says, peace. The second thing he says is he says in 23b, he says, love. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. Again, he talked about this before. Let's look at Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 and see what he says. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. He says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When we talked about this before, we talked about that word in the Greek. It means it's God's hesed love. In other words, it was his faithful love that even made salvation possible for us. It's his love that made this moment possible for us. Each breath and every moment that we live is an expression of God's love towards us. Because get this, he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it. There's many people that saw yesterday that are not privileged to see today, to see this moment. But what I'm realizing is that a preoccupation with self and a preoccupation for the things of this world keeps us from an awareness of God's love. And if we're not aware of God's love, how can we experience it? And so my hope for all of us today is that we would have a heightened sense of awareness of just how much God loves you. The breath you just took, that's God's love. This moment that God has allowed us to be together is an expression of his love for you, independent of how you feel about your life right now, independent of how things are going, of the pain and the frustration that's in your heart. God loves you in spite of all of that. And my prayer is that God will help us to be aware of what it is he's doing and just how much he loves us. Oftentimes, family, I liken life to Times Square. It's busy. It's crowded. And there's a lot of voices competing for our attention. Your voice, your spouse's voice, the voice of your kids, the voice of your boss. And so this is why it's important that we do what Jesus did. We take time to be away, to experience time with God. Even if it's 15 minutes in your car before you go into work, 15 minutes in your car before you go in the house in, in the evening. This is pivotal, family, to you and I experiencing the love of God. It's there. The question is, how aware are we of just how much it is that God loves us? This, Jesus said, is the greatest commandment. When the scribe asked him, he said, what's the, when the Pharisee asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So in order for you and I to carry this out, to live it, we got to experience it. We got to experience it. 
Because when you experience something good, the next thing you want to do is share it with somebody else. So this is why Paul ends this letter this way. Because he's blessing them, but he also wants to remind them of what he talked about. Listen, we need God's peace. We need God's, we need God's love. And the last thing he says to them is grace. He says, grace. Jesus Christ give you love with all faithfulness. He said, may God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8, he talked about it before. He said, he said, by grace, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. We can't take the credit for this. Again, this moment is ushered in by God's grace. I love what Andy Stanley said. Andy Stanley said, grace is not earned, it's offered. Grace is not earned, it's offered. Now, we talked about this before, but this is why it's important that you and I embrace, receive, and accept God's grace. Because there are times in your life when God will call you to extend grace to other people. Right? You've heard me say this before. I love to share this analogy. Many of us are different people behind the wheel of a car. We're different. We're just different. Sweetest pie any other place. Behind the car, we're savages. We don't know how to extend grace to God's people. I say this all the time because I need y'all to keep me accountable. <laughs> I need y'all to keep me accountable. So this is a reminder to me when I let somebody over and they don't wave and, and say thank you. Extend grace. And so I don't know what it is for you, but again, Paul is blessing them and he's teaching them and us how to say goodbye. But he uses three pillars of the Christian faith to do it. He uses peace, he uses love, and he uses grace because of that's what it is all about for us. There's not a person in this room that could not stand for more peace in your life, more love in your life, and more grace experientially, not what you know in theory. And so as we close this Ephesians series, I need you to know that there's a reason why Paul chose to bless the Ephesians in this way. And there's a reason why on this day in history at New City Church, we're choosing to close the series out this way. Because somebody in this room needs more of God's peace, needs more of God's love, and needs more of God's grace. Clearly, Paul's heart for God's people is that we would embrace these three things. Because as we've mentioned, this is what the book of Ephesians is really all about. God's peace, God's love, and God's grace. And in teaching them and in teaching us how to say goodbye, he's reminding us of what life as Christ followers is all about. It's about peace. It's about love. It's about God's grace. After all, where would any of us be without those three things? And so as we conclude our Ephesians series, I need you to know the bottom line is this. Jesus came to give us peace because of his love and through his grace. And if nothing else about our lives changes, that should be enough. 
because he's a good God. He's a faithful God. And so as we take some time today to transition into the communion table, I want you to allow this to be an invitation for everybody in this room to embrace the love and the peace and the grace of God. This is our invitation that was sent by God through his son, Jesus Christ. This is a part of family, how God will rescue you from whatever it is you're going through. By you and I choosing to embrace his peace, embrace his love, and embrace his grace. 